Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's May 24th, 2022, and the show these days seems to be dominated by one single big question. What's the matter with America? America seems in multiple kinds of crises. Uh, earlier today, I did a show with the great Hollywood figure, George Stevens Jr. He has a new book out, his memoirs of 90 years as a Washington Hollywood insider, My Place in the Sun. He, he seems to think that the sun has stopped shining in America. Things have gone very, very wrong. Uh, lots of explanations. Phil Clay was on the show recently, a very distinguished essayist, a former Marine, arguing, I think, that the problem with America, what's gone wrong in America, are endless invisible wars. He may have a point. Of course, it's not possible to do a conversation, let alone a show about what's gone wrong with America, without mentioning uh, the great or not so great Donald Trump. We did a show earlier uh, last week with Mark Esper, the former Minister of um, Secretary of Defense in the Trump administration, suggesting, I think, that everything that's gone wrong in America recently is because of Trump. Uh, did also a show last week with Francis Fukuyama, the end of history man. He believes that what's gone wrong with America is, an, is the illiberalism, both, I think, on the right and the left of American politics. Not possible to have a conversation about what's gone wrong with America without mentioning Silicon Valley. Did a show with Morris Stuckey, a business professor, about how big tech has gone wrong with America, smashing innovation. And then, of course, there's the inevitable issue of race. Um, Jim Crow, the legacy, the continuation of Jim Crow might be an argument. Uh, Leslie Fennick came on the show to talk about this. But one thing that's never come up in terms of what's gone wrong with America. There's a small state, uh, Central Atlantic state on the east coast of the United States, uh, a state that is known as Delaware. Um, most people, when they ask the question, what's gone wrong with America, don't automatically think of the state of Delaware. Uh, seems like a, a bucolic small place, nothing much goes on there. But my guest on the show today is rather like Wales, perhaps, in the United Kingdom. Um, my guest today on the show, a, a distinguished professor of business administration at the University of Chicago, which, by the way, isn't in Delaware, has a new book out at Princeton University Press, What's the Matter with Delaware?, how the first state had favor, has favored the rich, powerful, and criminal, and how it costs us all. And I'm thrilled that um, Hal uh, Weitzman, who is the author of What's the Matter with Delaware, is joining us. Hal, can we blame everything on Delaware? If we could just get rid of Delaware, would America be right again? Well, thank you for having me on the show, Andrew. That's an interesting thought experiment. I don't propose that as one of my solutions in the book, but maybe maybe in the sequel. So we could just carve it off, send it out into the Atlantic Ocean. No, of course not. I, I have nothing but affection for Delaware. And my book isn't aimed at destroying Delaware. It's aimed at shining a spotlight 
on exactly what you talked about, the fact that nobody really thinks very much about Delaware, but Delaware plays a critical role in the capitalist system. It's a role that's largely unexplored outside of scholarly journals. Um, so Delaware has fewer than a million residents. It's population-wise, it's about the size of uh, Tucson or the Grand Rapids metro area. But um, 1.6 million companies are registered in Delaware, and uh, they include about two-thirds of the biggest companies, public companies in the United States, most of, most listed companies in the United States. Uh, that you can buy and sell shares in. Most of them are, are registered in Delaware. Now, they're not actually physically located in Delaware, but they have a business registration there. Um, so that means that most of us interact with a Delaware company, Delaware corporation, at least once a day, probably many times a day. We think about companies like Google and Amazon, uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Visa, MasterCard, Verizon, AT&T, Sprint Mobile. Tesla, Chrysler, General Motors, Walgreens, CVS, Walmart. We go to these, we, we interact with these companies. They're everywhere, yeah. I mean, you could They're be everywhere. watching this, Kyle. Probably you're, you're watching on an Apple device or a, you yeah. found the show on Google. Well, Apple is an exception. but but but. Oh, Apple, is, where's Apple registered then? Apple's registered in California, I believe. But, oh. but, so, so that, but that's an interesting counterexample because uh, companies are typically either registered in their home state where they're physically located or if they look out of state delaware has a pretty much a monopoly on okay the so, so i take the point so let, let's get to the core of your argument it's a serious argument um what's the matter with delaware the subtitle and the, it comes with a question mark of course how the first state has favored the rich powerful and criminal and how it costs all of us now met uh, we may not think much about Delaware, but Delaware, as you suggest, Hal, thinks a lot about us. All these companies are registered in Delaware. So what? So they've got to be registered somewhere. What's the big deal? Right. And so I, so I started research on this book to find out exactly what the reason was for that question. And when you ask people, why is Delaware so popular? Um, they'll tell you that one of several reasons, and typically they lean on one. So they might say, for example, that Delaware has a chancery court, which is essentially a special court for business cases where you can get very fast and somewhat predictable judgment. There's a big body of case law. So the legal system is favorable to businesses. The second reason um, might be the speed of doing businesses. It's very, very easy to set up a Delaware company. In fact, uh, before the end of this podcast, Andrew, you and I could set up a, a corporation in Delaware that was completely anonymous. We don't need any identification. We don't need to go to Delaware and we can have a corporate entity set up in 30 minutes uh, with all the, the protections of, of, of the United States legal system behind it. So that, that's another reason it's easy to do business there. So there's a court, special courts, easy to do business there. Um, other people point to the lack of transparency that I talked about. It isn't an in defense of Delaware. I'm not a Delawarean. How many people actually live in Delaware, Hal, by the way? So as I said, it's fewer than a million. So it's about the size of Grand Rapids or Tucson metro area. As you say, it's rather like Wales, except a smaller version. Probably rains less than in Wales, does it? Well, my next book might be about Wales. I mean, Wales has a much bigger population of a million, of course. But as an English person, I would expect you to be pretty ignorant about Wales. 
Hal, as if you're a frequent viewer of this, I'm pretty ignorant about most things, not just whales. Um, Among the topics of which you're ignorant, Wales would be one of them. Yeah, it's definitely. I I went once. I went to Wales, and it didn't stop raining. So of course, I've generalised and believe that everything it always rains in Wales, which I'm sure isn't true. Everything happened to me in England. You know, remarkable. So, coming back to the the more serious issue of of Delaware, what Mm. you're arguing then is that essentially Delaware allows people to register companies which lack any kind of transparency. You had a an interesting piece I found on Market Watch about how, and I'm quoting the title of your your op-ed, America's indulgence of corporate secrecy, i.e. Delaware LLCs, uh, makes it harder to squeeze Putin, who, of course, is a master in financial secrecy. Is this enabling a rotten capitalism? How? Um I mean, I think it's enabling a lot of behavior that we don't want. So, so just, to, just to clarify, when I say that there's corporate anonymity, I am not referring to Google and Amazon. Those companies are public companies. They have to report a huge amount of information to uh, organizations like the Securities and Exchange Commission. And as investors, you can get a lot of information about those companies before you put any money in. LLCs can be any size from a single person operation to several people, and they are not required to report anything. In fact, in the United States, private companies in general are not required to report any information, financial or otherwise. So you, you, you cannot get a picture of who's there. And the reason that's important in this particular case is because they've been used by all sorts of nefarious actors, money launderers, child sex traffickers, drug smugglers, arms traffickers. But they've also been used um, by Russian oligarchs. But the fact is, we don't know to what extent because we do not ask them to identify themselves and we do not verify the information. It's easier to set up a company in Delaware, Delaware than it is to get a library card. You need more identification to get a library card. So that indicates that we've set up a system that is fast, uh, it's easy, it's relatively cheap. And it gives you all the protections of the U.S. legal system. And that's open to anyone, Russian oligarchs or you or me. So I presume that um, that Delaware is benefiting here because it must cost to register a company. So it's in Delaware's interest. Are they enabling all these anonymous LLCs to generate revenue for the state? Yes, they are. That's right. And, and the um, Delaware is very, very nervous about losing this business. So this, this, this business and adjacent businesses, which I can go into if you, if you care about them, in, in total, they, 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 add, they contribute about 40% of Delaware's state budget. So Delaware has effectively turned the old model of government revenue on its head because most states um, have depended on corporate uh, taxes to, uh, to fund themselves. But Delaware doesn't. It depends on fees. In fact, Delaware collects more in corporate fees, these small payments to set up and maintain LLCs and, and big corporations than uh, 42 other states do uh, in income tax, in corporate income taxes. So um, they've turned the model on its head. They're more like a sort of Bernie Sanders or AOC type campaign funding model where they get lots of small donations rather than an old fashioned traditional Joe Biden type campaign. Where you get well, I knew that the... Uh... The JB was going to come up. Of course, Joe Joe Biden, as some people probably know, is the president of America, the United States, not perhaps the most energetic or impressive one, but nonetheless a president. Um, And of course, 
he is also he was the senator from um from uh from 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 delaware uh he was born in scranton pennsylvania this is what the white house tell us about him and he moved to claymont delaware and he graduated from the i think he graduated the bottom of his class was quite an achievement from the university of delaware um and syracuse law school um how much can we blame uh Biden, he gets blamed for lots of things. He said, we're living through the battle for the soul of our nation in these COVID days, but maybe you should just be changing the rules about Delaware. Well, so I don't necessarily share your views on Joe Biden, but you, you asked the question about how, to, to what extent Joe Biden is, is to blame for Delaware. I would say he's not, but he's very much a creature of the Delaware system. So through his 36 years in the Senate, his main con political contributors were big Delaware law firms that are <laughs> the key beneficiaries of this system. Um, and as you probably know, I mean, Joe Biden's Delaware uh, Senate career was um, sort of punctuated by some questionable decisions, particularly in one case about bankruptcy. And, and uh, Elizabeth Warren is one person who's attacked him on that. Uh, for example, so, uh, not allowing people to, dis to discharge a student debt by um, declaring themselves bankrupt. He opposed that because the big credit card companies, as I mentioned at the beginning, are based in Delaware. So there's a, that undoubtedly influenced his- Was his he, uh, was all this stuff in place before, Delaware, before Biden became a Delaware senator, became a senator as a very young man, um, or, or was it all on Biden's watch as Delaware senator? I mean, obviously wasn't the only senator. Right. Uh, no, the answer is it was not on his watch. This is a actually a system that's about 100 years old. So originally, New Jersey was the home of corporations and, and attracted them through uh, in, by inventing holding companies where one company could own another and um, by making rules much more relaxed than they originally had been. And then in 1913, it was actually Woodrow Wilson, who was the president elect of the United States at the time, but was governor of New Jersey. In his lame duck session, he and his supporters pushed through a series of bills that got rid of the business from New Jersey because they wanted to clean everything up and Delaware welcomed them with open arms. But it's been growing a lot in the past hundred years and particularly in the past roughly 40 years because of the invention of the LLC, the Limited Liability Company. And now about 70% of companies that register in Delaware are LLCs. So that's the main driver of the business. Well, we've done a number of shows, uh, Hal, about dirty money. We did a show, and I'm sure you're familiar with all these writers and their books, with Tom, Ger uh, Tom Burgess, who has a wonderful book out, Kleptopia. Uh, we did a show with Casey uh, Michel, uh, American Kleptocracy. Um, all sorts of shows. We did one with Catherine Belton, which was more focused on Putin and Putin's money. If the Delaware laws were changed, how much of a threat would this be to the American kleptocracy? Well, first of all, those are great books. I know I used to work with Tom at Financial Times. I know him well, and uh, I spoke to Casey as well when I was writing this book, and he's great too. Um, the so the question about the law so the law is changing because in in 2020, 2020 the congress passed the so-called corporate transparency act which will for the first time require uh, companies to identify their owners but as always there's quite a few loopholes trusts 
are not included, which is a big problem when you're trying to shut down the oligarchs. It's going to be a private registry. So we're depending on the federal government to verify information, to manage information um, and to share it with between their agencies. Um, and so, you know, and it's a self-reporting system. So we're depending on the Russian oligarchs to tell us who they are. So I don't think there's a lot of reason to be very optimistic that we've solved the problem, but we are, have taken one step towards doing so. Uh, interestingly, in, the, in very recently, in the past few months, in <coughs> New York State House, there's a proposal to establish a more robust um, registry of all of owners of all types of um, you know legal entities. And so, if that goes through, that could put a lot of pressure for Delaware to do that to to follow suit. But it's it's also to do with uh, the other thing I discuss in the book is how the rules are made in Delaware, which is also um, a an interesting area because uh, lawyers effectively write the rules, write the corporate code that governs the responsibilities of of CEOs and uh, executive business executives towards shareholders and to society. They write those rules. The legislature is not really able to scrutinize them, so it just rubber stamps them, and then they become law. And then the same lawyers that wrote them end up in court arguing uh, based on the rules that they themselves have written. So. One of the things I've, I've argued for is that that system should we should shine shine some light into that system and force there to be more transparency there about how decisions get made in Delaware because it may be a small state but these decisions have huge implications for the way that corporations run. How aware are Delawareans of this? I mean, obviously they're benefiting uh, in terms of the revenue coming into the state, but how much of an issue is this? Because it, it's a compelling argument and an important argument. Yeah, I would say in general they're not. <laughs> Most Delaware are conveniently avoiding the subject because it's something that would probably make them uncomfortable. Well, so there is a, a way, of, a pattern of behaviour called the Delaware way, and the Delaware way to its supporters is a way of problem solving together across party lines. To its detractors, it's a way of doing backroom deals that actually cut out any scrutiny and any democratic oversight. So um, the, the, these are technical issues, the issues of, of corporate law. They, the, as you say, revenues are flowing in, which allows Delawareans to enjoy low taxes. They call it a blue spending state with red taxes. So they enjoy pretty low taxes. In fact, for every dollar of services that Delaware residents receive, they only pay about 50 cents. So this money flowing in has huge benefits. And I think what's happened is people have been told, don't upset the boat because um, your taxes will go up. Talking about boats, Hal, um, to what extent is Delaware essentially uh, not an offshore, but an actual mainland version of the Cayman Islands, the British Virgin Islands, Panama, Bermuda, Cyprus, or Luxembourg, uh, countries uh, where uh, shady LLCs and shady companies have historically set up their businesses? I think it's very much in the same uh, group. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about, about uh, campaigns for greater transparency and against tax havens is, when you think of tax havens, you think of places like the Cayman Islands or Bermuda or Cyprus. Um, and there's always places that are over there somewhere else yeah. it's happening it's in exotic sort of James Bond type locations. It's never happening here, but it is happening here. 
you know, every year, Andrew, the, the, there's an organization called the Tax Justice Network. They put out a financial secrecy index that says which jurisdictions are most complicit in enabling people to hide money, wealthy individuals, companies and everything else. And this year, they just put out their, their latest rating. The U.S. is number one for the first time. So the U.S. is the easiest place to hide money. And once you're hiding money, the easiest place to do that is in Delaware. So if you'll indulge me, just have a nice story in the book about, you'll remember the name Mossack Fonseca, which was a law firm based in Panama when whose papers were leaked. And that was the Panama Papers. It was the secret files from this law firm, Mossack Fonseca. Now, uh, Ramon Fonseca was um, was the partner there, uh, the main partner who gave his name to the firm. And uh, I have a story in the book about somebody who went down to uh, Panama in the time of uh, Manuel Noriega and, and met Fonseca and said to him, you know, you've got all these clients hiding money around the world. Where do you keep your money? And Fonseca replied, in Delaware. They'll never find it there. So it's a great place for people to hide. Offshore is not a location. It's a way of behaving. And Delaware very much behaves as an offshore type uh, location, jurisdiction. How you're also the host of the big question um, podcast show. It, do you think in all seriousness, this is one of the key questions about America? I mean, it doesn't at first sight seem to be as serious as racism or foreign wars or, you know, the out of control tech. But the more I talk to you, the more compelling your argument becomes. How? <laughs> I'm glad. Well, I mean, because it's Delaware, that's probably why you're saying that, right? Maybe if it were... New York or Florida, you would think differently, but that's exactly the cover that I was talking about that makes it a wonderful place to do. Um, well, could a big state get away with it? You mentioned that Apple was um, Apple was registered in California. What happens if California yeah. offered even more "quote unquote" liberal laws than than Delaware? Could they get away with it? Well, so other tr states have tried that, and it hasn't been successful. But um, that's because Delaware offers a suite of services. And as I said, Delaware really behaves more like a financial services firm than a state. It enables different types of, of you know, companies to, to register there. They, they keep the offices open, Andrew, until midnight. So you, you can go till at 11.30, we could go and file a company and still have it created the same day. You so know, what company should we, you said we could do it. Yeah. In, what should we call it? You, I'll ask you, what should we call the company? Kleptopia sounds well. Well, uh, that Tom might have something to say about that. I think that's his. That's no, probably. Still, well, he would never know because it would it would be secret, right? I well, guess the, the name of the company name wouldn't be secret, but our names. Well, we should put down Tom as the contact. Maybe that, that would he, then that would he, that would give him a nice shot. I, I, I mean, so I think we have to ask what sort of people want to register companies at eleven thirty at night. Russians, uh, Russians you know, with no with no oversight and with no documentation. So this is a serious problem because it relates to a lot of other problems. You know, Delaware in itself, to go back to your first question, is not a problem as a state. But the way that it behaves relates to international problems like corruption, like tax avoidance and tax evasion, like uh, bribery and corruption, like the trafficking of, of people and arms and, and guns, um, like money laundering, uh, like other illicit activity. And so should we just what should we do? How should we boycott? Should we boycott going to Delaware? I mean, what does this say to us about 
the federal system because there's not much we as California or I as a Californian, you as someone living in Illinois, it's not an awful lot we can do, is there? Well, so, I mean, no, I don't, I'm certainly not suggesting anyone boycott going to Delaware, which is a wonderful uh, but small state, um, or do anything or, or do anything different. I, but I think people respond to the rules of the game that are set for them. So I think the rules of the game need to need to be changed. First of all, I think if we're going to collect the uh, the names of owners of, com of companies in the United States, we should make that registry public. That would enable the media to scrutinize it uh, and to really to, and to make sure that that uh, there aren't big holes as there are. I don't know if you know anything about the UK system, Andrew, where we're both from, but there's a company's house collects all the names of all the directors and owners of companies. But it's a very incomplete and unsatisfactory um, system. So if we had that system public, at least we'd know where the holes were and the media could dig into that and act as a as a as part of oversight. I think the system in Delaware needs to open up. You know, companies tell us that they have a social purpose, that they care about society, and yet they're not accountable to society because, as I said to you earlier, that democratic oversight is missing in Delaware. So I believe that that system needs to be uh, tightened up. I think we should close loopholes that allow things like trusts to go anonymous, even with this new um, legislation. So there's a lot of uh, relatively small extensions we can make to existing proposals that I think would make the system a lot more robust. But, you know, the, the bad news is uh, something terrible that's happened is the invasion of Ukraine. The good news is that because of that, there's a lot of attention on how we clean up the financial system because people have finally woken up and realized this is a right. key part in, in conducting foreign policy and national security. Yeah, and we, we've talked about that with, obviously, with um, Tom Burgess, your friend, um, Casey Mikal, as well as Catherine Belt and lots of other authors. This is not the end of this subject, but it's certainly a, a very intriguing book. What's the matter with Delaware? How the first state has favored the rich, powerful and criminal, how it costs us all. It's going to be compared, I think, with what's the matter with C Kansas. Thomas Frank's wonderful book. Thomas Frank was on the show in defense of populism. I'm not sure whether this issue has anything to do with populism, but it's an equally interesting book and thesis. Congratulations, Hal, on the book. Uh, anything else you're reading these days that keeping us wiser about the world? Any books about whales? I'm not reading any books about whales, but you asked me to think of a couple of books to recommend. I've got one new one that's coming out in August, which is on a similar theme. Uh, it's called Spiderweb Capitalism, and it's about places murky murky places like vietnam and myanmar and how money flows through them so interesting really like, who's that by it's by a, an author you should have on the show kimberly k wang she's my colleague here at the university oh well, no excuse you have to get me on you have to get her on the show you have to introduce me that's a good one and what else i'd be happy to make the introduction so i'm going to recommend two older books that just because you asked me what i've been reading recently i am um, I, I i somewhat sort of behind on my Philip Roth. So I read American Pastoral recently, which is just a terrific book. It's a novel. Mm. Yeah, wonderful writer. He, I don't think, I mean, he wrote, of course, a lot about New Jersey. I don't know what he yep. thought about Delaware. And as I say, in another world, New Jersey would have been what Delaware is. Um, the other one I was thinking of is a book I'm reading with my eight-year-old son, which I just think is absolutely superb. It's by Edwin Tunis. And the book is called Weapons, A Pictorial History. It absolutely, I mean, if, you, if you're anything like me and you like sort of, you know, boys, nonfiction type books, it's a little old, it's not very PC, 
but it's just wonderfully, it's just such a well-written book, Andrew. I heartily recommend it. Weapons, a pictorial history. And it's not, it's not full of gore and violence. It's just about the weapons themselves. And both my eight-year-old son, Ray, and I am enjoying it a huge amount. 